0: Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning TGIF wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Got through another week and uh, put a fork in them. Uh, watched that uh, embarrassing performance by the New England Patriots last night. It was, uh, it was brutal. There's no other way to put it. Uh, They now have seven losses on the season for the first time since 2002. Uh, Playoffs, forget it. (laughs) They had to run the table to even have a chance, and even if they had run the table, uh, their chances were pretty close to slim and none. Um, Cam Newton was uh, horrendous. 9 of 16, 119 yards they had to lift him. Got sacked four times. Didn't run the ball effectively. And the Rams pretty much did whatever they wanted to do. This Patriot defense that was so good the last couple of weeks was just awful last night. Uh, <laughs> Cam Akers ran all over them 171 yards, ripping off six yards a pop. The Rams went for it. On fourth down several times, every time they went for it, they made it. The Patriots couldn't get out of their own way. You know, they moved the ball a little bit on a couple of drives. The drive would stall. You know, they got down close to the goal line. They try to go for it and get stuffed. I mean, it just – they couldn't do anything right. Um, after the game – Bill Belichick says that, uh, you know, somebody asked him about the quarterback next week and Bill Belichick is, you know, he's Mr. Sarcastic says, I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) He said, Cam's our quarterback. And you have, that begs the question, why? I mean, look, it's uh, Bill Belichick has a resume that, you know, Us mere mortals sit back here and say, well, how dare we question him? I mean, he's done, you know, with everything that they've done. You know, we should just in bill we trust, right? Well, no. You know, here's the thing. This is it was that resume that Belichick built here in New England was built with a different crew, with a different quarterback. Makes all the difference. This team would not be struggling the way it is if Tom Brady was still the quarterback. And I don't care about the issues with Enkel, Harry, or Sony Michelle. You know, Edelman's injury. I don't. You know, I don't want to hear any of that. The bottom line here is better quarterback play makes this Patriot team better. They're not six and seven at this point if Tom Brady's still in New England. I don't care what anybody says. Right now, Cam Newton. You know, and. And as he has done all year, and I give him credit, he doesn't make excuses. He always steps up and says, you know, we have to be better. It starts with me. I have to make more plays. Well, no crap. You've been saying that all year, and as I've said all year, I'm sick and tired of hearing it. I appreciate that you want to be a stand-up guy. You know, this isn't anything against Cam Newton personally, okay? This is just about you can't continue to say I have to be better and not get better. And it also goes to show you how pathetic that Charger team was last week where the Patriots, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the problem here. They didn't only just win that game against the Chargers last week. They embarrassed the Chargers. They shut them out. They, it was the worst defeat in Charger history. So now all of a sudden Patriot fans are going, well, here we go. You know, we're, we're back at it. Everything's going to be fine. No. That just go, that that Charger team is awful. And this Ram team has got far more weapons on both sides of the football. And, you know, when we had Dan Zampano on yesterday, he said the key to this game is the Rams taking care of the football. They did that. Goff with one interception. Other than that, They didn't turn the ball over. He didn't fumble, which he has been known to do a million times. The Patriots only got to Goff once. There were a couple other times they got their mitts on him, but they couldn't bring him down. And, you know, taking care of the football is a big thing. The Patriots also committing penalties last night, something they don't do very often. So it was just – I mean, the Patriots had ten first downs all night. Ten. You know, they were 3-for-13 on third down. They went for it on fourth down three times, 0-for-3. Couldn't pick up a yard on fourth down. That's just not acceptable. You know, and the Rams, uh, on that last uh, touchdown drive that they had, 10 plays, 90 yards, they went for it on fourth down twice in that drive and made it. Patriots got in the red zone four times, couldn't score. They could not get out of their own way. Six sacks by the Rams last night as well. Aaron Donald had uh, a couple of them. I think he's got 12 or 13 sacks this year. And the Patriots just, he, you know, they the Rams were in the backfield every time Cam Newton went back to pass. So, uh, just embarrassing. And if you're Bill Belichick, and, and to, to still insist that Cam Newton is your quarterback is just silly. And look, th- this isn't to say Jared Stidham's any better. But you have now three games left in the regular season. What is the harm at this point? You know you're not making the playoffs. And, look, you just go to Cam Newton and say, look, dude, you know, you gave us everything you got. We appreciate it, you know, but we've got to find out whether this Stidham kid can play. Throw him out there. What the hell do you have to lose? You know, and, you know, he may be – Terrible, you know, and it may, and it's going to tell the Patriots, uh, we've got to, we've got to draft a quarterback. I think they have to draft a quarterback anyway, even if Stidham fight, you know, you discover, you no, know, can play a little bit, you still have to go out and draft a quarterback in my mind in this draft. You have to. But what is the harm in playing him now? I don't think there's any. I think there's more harm in not doing it than there is in actually playing the kid. You know, he was five for seven in garbage time last night. I mean, they didn't move the ball at all under him. He was five for seven, but I think it was for like 25 yards. So, but you got to. You got to play him. You can't continue. I mean, that's just stubborn to say Cam's our quarterback. You got six wins with Cam Newton. You know, it's just yeah. So that's one of the things about Belich- Belichick that drives me nuts. Now he was he's able to get away with that when you have Tom Brady at quarterback. You know, you can you can you know be glib and you can be sarcastic and you can do you know. But they're in a situation now where and and maybe you know I don't think Bill's handling this well. You know, he's got morons like me talking about how Tom Brady was the difference. And, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, whether it was Belichick or whether it was Brady or whether it was the combination of the two or I'm sure Belichick's tired of hearing about glory days, because that's what we're talking about now is the Patriot glory days. You know, that's, you know, Tom Brady is long gone. But this to me just smacks of stubbornness and, and maybe and at the end of the day, you know, he said that last night, you know, right after the game, still emotional, obviously, after getting embarrassed, you know, maybe as they think about it during the week, they're gonna say, yeah, you know, maybe we oughta. But then again, knowing Belichick, maybe not. So uh, and for the Rams, look, you know, you now have put yourself in first place. In the uh, NFC West, uh, with a Seattle team, that is reeling. You know, Seattle a half a game behind. Now Seattle has a chance to, you know, tie them up this week because they've got to play the New York Jets. You know, unless the Jets can pull a stunner and beat Seattle the same way the Giants did, wouldn't that be something? But the zero twelve Jets having to go across the country to play Seattle, I got a bad feeling it's not going to go well, and uh, they'll be back tied, uh, uh, you know, in the division. But uh, that was a good performance by the Rams last night, you know. And I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but you know, the thing is, is when Jared Goff takes care of the football and they don't turn it over, they are a good football team. They just have to control the turnovers, and and you know, job accomplished last night. Um, another college football game off this weekend, uh, number 11, Oklahoma, uh, will not play at West Virginia because of the huge outbreak of COVID-19 cases with the Mountaineers. So that game is off. Uh, Texas has paused its activities. They called off their season finale with Kansas and why not? Kansas is 0 and 9. That was going to be a bloodbath anyway. Um, Interesting here is that Duke has announced, the basketball team has announced that they are going to cancel the remainder of their non-conference games, So they are not going to play um, Elon, uh, Charleston Southern, or Gardner Webb before facing Notre Dame on December the 16th. And then they are going to shut down for a couple of weeks and they'll come back and play Pittsburgh on December the 29th. But uh, Mike Krzyzewski basically said, look, you know, this is what the right thing to do for our players. He said, you know, now these guys can go home, spend some time with their families, and, you know, at least for a little bit, you know, be normal again, or whatever that is now. You know, and then, of course, you have the, the sarcastic remarks by some other coaches in basketball and some media people saying, well, you know, do you think if, if Duke was 4-0 and instead of 2-2 and that they would have made this decision? I'd like to think that Mike Krzyzewski not making this decision just based on record. Yeah, they've struggled a little bit. They got whacked around by Illinois the other night. Um, you know, but I would like to think that Mike Krzyzewski is doing the right thing for his players. So I would, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, you know, uh, look, you know, we're still, you know, despite what happened with the FDA yesterday. And by the way, you know, that the, the panel of experts yesterday approved, uh, or endorsed the widespread use of the the vaccine, but the FDA still hasn't taken the vote. The, the, the discussion yesterday, and I didn't realize this. But the discussion yesterday, I thought it was going to be a done deal. This eight-hour discussion that went on yesterday with this panel, uh, it's non-binding. So the FDA still has to approve this. And according to what I heard this morning, we could still be a week away from the FDA giving the rubber stamp. I was under the impression that, you know, this panel was going to meet. They were going to, you know, endorse it, and then we were off to the races. Not so. Um, so we still have to wait for the FDA staff scientists to make the final decision. And the FDA's vaccine director, uh, a guy by the name of Peter Marks, said that the decision could come within days to a week. I, I, look, I know this is un, unprecedented to have a vaccine rolled out this fast, but you know, when you have a, a study of 44,000 and you have a uh, success rate of 90 to 95%, what the hell are we waiting for? You know, I know that the people all of a sudden, and, and the, the anti-vaxxers, by the way, and I have said I'm not getting this vaccine. I'm going to kind of count on the herd immunity thing. If we can get 70 75% of Americans to take it, you know, we'll have herd immunity. I want. I do want to wait a little while, but I'm old and it doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm not necessarily an anti-vaxxer. My wife's a little bit more uh, against vaccines than I am. But, um, but the people that are anti-vaxxers, they glommed on to the fact that the two people in the U.K. that got this had an adverse reaction to it because they are hypersensitive. These are people that are, have bad allergies, people that have to allergies to the point where they have to carry around an EpiPen you know, uh, for bee stings or whatever, or, you know, nut allergies or whatever. And they're carrying around an EpiPen. And those are the people that had an issue with this. Um, so, but a lot is being made and there's a lot of people saying, well, see, I told you, it's not safe. I, you know, and I guess if I'm going to say, you know, get the vaccine, I guess I should be lining up to get it. But, you know, here's the other part of this. We're going to have a limited number of vaccines. They're going to roll them out, but it's going to take forever. They're saying it's going to be springtime before people like me, before the average American gets this. You know, I'd rather somebody younger than I am get it, and you know, it's just I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying that I won't ever get the vaccine. I said this to Barbara last night. You know, if after you know several months and and people, the majority of people have gotten it and it's safe and and it looks like, you know, there's more vaccines out there to have and you're not having to stand in a line for three hours to get it, then I probably will. But right away, no, I'm not I'm not going to rush out to get it. I mean, I, look, I, 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 I'm self-employed. I work from home. Um, there's no sports going on, no high school, local co- high school or college sports. I'm not out broadcasting games, so I'm not out with the general public. If I was, I probably would feel differently about this. You know, if if it was like my wife, Barb, who works, you know, at Home Depot, she's a manager for Home Depot. I guess maybe maybe I would, you know, if I was around the general public all the time. But I'm not. I'm not. But I did not realize it it could take another week. And and why? Just let's get it. Just get it done. Get it done. Uh, One other uh, covid note. Uh, Boston College. This was interesting. Uh, Boston College is one of the few football teams, maybe one of a handful, that managed to play its entire schedule this year. They played all 11 scheduled games 10 conference games in the ACC and one non conference game. They played them all. They went six and five. One of their games was postponed by just one day. Other than that, they were able to play them all. They. They navigated this successfully. I don't know, whatever their protocols were on campus, it obviously worked. Um, but despite that, and having the winning record, that would qualify BC to play in a postseason bowl game, you know, whatever one that would happen to be. But the players on the team voted yesterday that they did not want to go to a bowl game. They have opted out of postseason play, by the way, costing the university money because when you go to a bowl game, that's usually a couple of million dollars uh, for your school. They have decided that they want to go home to their families. Um, You know, and the head coach gave them the option. The head coach called uh, what he called his leadership council. Uh, Jeff Halfley called the leadership council in. It's one representative from every position group to get a sense of how the team felt about going to play in postseason. And it was pretty resounding that they wanted to go home. And he said once it was announced that they were going home for Christmas, that it was like he said it was a huge uproar, and he knew immediately that they had made the right decision. Uh, And he said, look, at the same time, you know, the the virus here in the Northeast, especially in Massachusetts, is spreading like crazy. He said, so – He said it's getting worse, and he said for us to stay here, go through three more weeks of practice, and to not even know, by the way, because we don't even know if all these bowl games, the scheduled bowl games are going to happen. He said we could be here for another three weeks, keeping these kids away from their families. They've been away from their families since June. He said they haven't been able to hug their parents since June. You know, he said to keep them here for another three weeks to maybe play in a game. You know, he said it just didn't make any sense. So I applaud B.C., and I applaud these kids, uh, and I applaud the university for not trying to strong-arm them into playing. Because, again, as I said, it's a couple of million bucks. You know, and as we have seen in college football this year, it's all about the almighty dollar. That's why the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 and the Big Ten uh, caved after canceling their seasons originally, they decided, you know what? It's too much money. We got we to gotta play. That's why the Big Ten caved and let Ohio State into the conference championship game without playing the minimum number of required games because, hey, they're the best team we got in the league, and if they don't get into one of the uh, the big bowl games, uh, this conference was a lot of money. We better let them in. So I applaud BC for not trying to force these kids to play. Um, the Army-Navy game this weekend, by the way, normally in Philadelphia, has been moved. That's going to be at West Point, which kind of cool. Uh, it's the first time that the game has been played uh, at West Point in 77 years. It's traditionally, obviously, played in Philadelphia, but uh, because of the restrictions in Philly, uh, they decided to have it on campus. The, by the way, there's not going to be any fans, any any uh, civilian fans, I should say, uh, at this game. But the entire brigade of midshipmen and the Corps of cadets will be there. That's about nine thousand, about nine thousand. The stadium in, in uh, at West Point holds, uh, I think, thirty eight thousand. Uh, so there'll be nine thousand there. It'll be the uh, just the Army and Navy. Uh, uh, recruits uh, Navy should uh, Navy leads the all-time series sixty one fifty two and seven army though seven and two this year against three and six Navy so uh, we'll see but uh, uh, President Trump is supposed to be there he's flying in uh, you know uh, whatever I, I, don't, I you know it's says you don't have anything good to say don't say anything at all uh, but anyway so that's kind of cool uh, but yeah, first time since in seventy seven years that the game is going to be at West Point. So, uh, it is twenty seven minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break when we come back. We've got some baseball news to uh, get to. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call You're here on a uh, Friday morning. So, some surprise news out of baseball yesterday, kind of out of the blue. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, of course, have been looking. Uh, for a new general manager uh, after uh, Matt Klintek, uh was reassigned uh, back in October uh, after they uh, failed to make the postseason play or make postseason play uh, in uh, the last five years. And uh, the Phillies have been kind of rebuffed. There's a lot of uh, people that have turned them down, they even didn't even want to interview for the job. Well, suddenly yesterday, Dave Dombrowski, Emerged, And the report was yesterday that the Phillies are, it's kind of imminent that they are very close uh, to signing Dave Dombrowski to become their new general manager. This was after, by the way, Dombrowski has said uh, several times that he had no intentions of going to another team and getting back into being a general manager. He has been working... In Nashville, uh, with a group there that is trying to bring a major league team to Nashville, by the way, which I think is a great idea. I think major league baseball in Nashville would be a hit. There are a lot of sports fans there. Uh, The Nashville Predators have done exceptionally well. The Tennessee Titans draw well. Um, I think that would be a, a slam dunk to cross metaphors uh, with uh, with professional sports. But I think that would be a great move. Uh, but anyway, so Dombrowski had said that he wanted no part of going to another team. Now all of a sudden uh, he's about to sign a deal to uh, join the Philadelphia Phillies. No word yet on how long or anything like that. But what's interesting here is that Dombrowski is a guy Look, he's got a history, okay? I mean, he won a, a, a championship with the Marlins in 97. He built the Red Sox team uh, that won the World Series in 2018. Um, but he is a guy that likes to make big moves, a guy who likes to make a splash, is not afraid to trade a superstar, who is not afraid to sign a huge free agent. You know, he's a guy that likes big moves. But you now have a Phillies team that has said that they want to reduce payroll before next season. That's not the typical Dave Dombrowski model. Um, And supposedly even hiring him in Philly doesn't mean that the Phillies plan to change what – Their plans are, uh, look, this is a team that's already got some great talent. I mean, you've got a couple of pretty good guys on the front end of your, your staff with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. You know, you obviously have Bryce Harper. You've got Reese Hoskins, uh, young kid, Alex Boehm made a big splash. Zach Eflin, Andrew McCutcheon is healthy. Um, now, they may lose J.T. Real Muto, who is a free agent. They said they want to sign him. But the question is, is if you want to reduce payroll, it's going to be awful hard to do that and sign Real Muto because he is going to command big dollars. You know, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, you're going to have to, you know, you're not signing J.T. remuto to an $8 million contract. And they need, by the way, more than JT Ramuto to make the playoffs or to, to win a World Series. They have to do something about that pitching staff. Yes, Aaron Nola is a nice piece at the top. Uh, Zach Wheeler is a nice piece. But they need more than that. You know, Aaron Nola's a guy, you know, he's got a lot of talent. But Aaron Nola is also a guy who caves under pressure. He doesn't, uh, to me... He's not a guy, if my life is on the line, Aaron Nola is not a guy I want pitching if my life depended on it. So, you know, they've got more than, they need more than Real Muto. So if you're Dombrowski, I don't know what that looks like and how you're going to navigate that. But the only thing I can say is that the Phillies must have offered him a lot of money. If he was as satisfied in Nashville as he says he was, he's 64 years old. He has nothing left to prove, right? I mean, you've taken two different organizations uh, to World Series titles, so you've got nothing to prove. So this has to be about the money. It's the only thing I can think of. Uh, Other Major League Baseball news yesterday, they named the Comeback Players of the Year. No surprise to either one of these. Uh, The biggest no-brainer was Daniel Bard, was named the comeback player of the year in the National League. Bart, a guy who uh, at one time looked to be the closer in waiting for the Boston Red Sox. Remember back in 2010, he had an ERA of under two. I think he threw in over 70 games that year. But then all of a sudden, um, I I don't know if you call it the yips or whatever, but all of a sudden, uh, come 2012, uh, he couldn't find the plate with a compass. Uh, and he was out of baseball or or out of the majors. He was pitching in the minors starting in, like, 2013, you know, kicked around there for several years trying to figure out what the hell was wrong, retired in 2017, was working as a coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, you know, and was getting ready for his third year as a coach, and then all of a sudden, uh, for whatever reason, you know, he was just playing some some catch in the outfield and he was throwing gas and guys were like you know you might want to give this another thought and so you know another try and so for whatever reason uh his yips went away he made uh, 23 appearances for the Rockies last year and let's remember it's Colorado you know and uh not exactly an easy place to play but uh he held the opposition scoreless in 14 of his 23 appearances last year, finished 4-2 and two with six saves, and an ERA of 3.65, pitching for the Colorado Rockies. So, uh, great feel-good story was Daniel Bard. Uh, the other comeback player of the year in the American League, uh, uh, again, no-brainer, Salvador Perez, uh, a guy who was coming back uh, after missing the entire 2019 season with uh, after Tommy John surgery and he also missed the start of the summer camp in July after testing positive for the coronavirus and then he missed a few weeks during the season because of an uh, some kind of an eye issue so he had blurry vision and despite all that he came back and played in 37 games hit 333 uh, had an OPS of uh, 986 11 homers 32 runs batted in and by the way uh, one of the uh, the best throwing arms and best defensive catchers in baseball. Uh, won the uh, won his third uh, career Silver Slugger award. Uh, at the position, so uh, again, no brainer either one of those. Uh, trade yesterday in Major League Baseball: Nate Lowe was traded from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Texas Rangers. It was a six-player deal. Uh, the Rays sent Lowe and another first baseman, Jake Gunther and a player to be named later to the, uh, uh, to the Rangers. And in return, they get back three minor leaguers, um, an, uh, an outfielder, a catcher, and an infielder. Uh, and the idea for Texas is they plan on having Lowe become their new first baseman, taking over for Ronald Guzman um, in 2021. Lowe is 25 years old. Uh, in the last two seasons with Tampa, he has played... Uh, 70-something games, 11 homers, 30 runs batted in, and 245 plate appearances. Uh, you know, Texas putting a lot of faith in a guy with minimal major league experience. But, again, you know, a team that uh, doesn't want to spend a ton of money, new general manager in Chris Young, uh, just shipped off uh, Lance Lynn, got some pieces back there, some young kids back. And uh, so now they get a couple of young players from the Tampa Bay Rays, two first basemen, uh, to uh, to try to uh, break into that lineup in 2021. Uh, the Red Sox yesterday, it was the uh, end of the winter meetings. Now normally they would have been uh, out in Arizona and everybody would have gotten together and you know sang kumbaya and whatnot. It was all done virtually. But the Rule Five draft was yesterday. Uh, the Red Sox selected Garrett Whitlock from the Yankees in the Rule 5 draft. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you're selected in the Rule 5 draft, that means you have to be on the Major League roster all season. So uh, just like the Red Sox last year, if you recall, uh, Jonathan Arayu's the uh, young infielder who stayed with the Red Sox all year, the 22-year-old. Now, you know, he played, what, in about half the Red Sox games and hit 250. You know, not a bad defensive player, has no power, no power. Uh, but uh, Whitlock, um, excuse me. Yeah, Whitlock is a a big kid, six five. Had Tommy John surgery uh, in 2019, but he is expected to be ready for spring training. Uh, so obviously, he did not pitch at all last year. There was no minor league baseball, and he was recovering from Tommy John surgery anyway. But uh, the Red Sox said they use medical reports and scouting reports, and Whitlock has some uh, videos of his post surgery workouts uh, online. And uh, he was throwing 94 mile an hour sinkers, so uh, you know it looks like a potential good pickup for the Red Sox. And as bad as their depth is in their uh, their minor league system for pitching, a good move. So uh, Whitlock is a kid that was an 18th round pick out of Alabama Birmingham, but in three seasons in the minors, he was 12 and 8 with a 2.41 ERA, and he was listed in the uh, uh, the top 20 prospects for the Yankee organization prior to the 2019 season. So uh, he was 3-3 three and three with a three oh seven ERA and AA uh, before he had the injury that uh, required the Tommy John surgery. So a uh, sinker baller. So we'll see. Red Sox also grabbed a couple of other guys in the draft, uh, a couple of minor leaguers, one from, uh, I think, uh, Texas and another from the Yankees, uh, outfielder Caleb Ort. Um, and, and those guys, because that was the minor league phase, they don't have to be on the major league roster. But Whitlock – Uh, If the Red Sox don't keep him on the roster, they have to offer him back uh, to the Yankees. Uh, A couple other things this morning, then we're going to get out of here. It's going to be a quick show this morning. Um, The Clippers signed Paul George yesterday to a contract extension uh, that will keep him with the Clippers until uh, 2025. Uh, George, in his first season with the Clippers last year, 21.5 points, six rebounds, four assists a game. Uh, Shot a career-high 41% from three-point range. Said he wants to retire. Uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers. So uh, uh, what's going to happen is he has a uh, player option for the 2021-22 season, and that's going to be replaced with a four-year extension. Uh, So uh, Paul George to stay uh, with the Clippers. This was a classy move. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks yesterday released J.J. Barea, uh, one of the more popular players in franchise history. Now, why was it classy? Well, he's 36 years old. Uh, They knew they weren't going to keep him. So Mark Cuban signed Berea to a $2.6 million guaranteed contract, a one-year contract, and then released him. So even if he doesn't manage to sign on with another team, uh, he is going to get $2.6 million. That wasn't something that... Mark Cuban or the Mavericks had to do, Uh, so that's classy. Uh, I remember J.J. Barea when he was in college. Uh, I was working at Sacred Heart University at the time. He was playing for Northeastern, and he's from Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. Well, we uh, uh, at Sacred Heart, we were down at a tournament in Puerto Rico, and we played against Northeastern with J.J. Barea, and I remember that kid. He was 17 years old playing as a freshman for Northeastern. Oof what a pest he was and uh, he is the last remaining member of the Dallas Mavericks uh, 2011 NBA championship team so uh, but a classy classy move by Mark Cuban say what you want about Cuban there's a lot of people that don't like the guy but uh, uh, I really I, I really respect what he did for JJ Barea. Uh one other note uh, Amy Olson leads the uh, US women's Open uh, she got helped out by a hole in one. Uh, in the tournament yesterday. She uh, fired a 4-under par 67, has a one-stroke lead. Uh, playing at Cy- Cypress Creek, um, 156 players. Uh, only 36 of them were at par or better. So Amy Olsen uses uh, uh, a hole-in-one to uh, to get that 4-under uh, 67 and has a one-stroke lead. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday, with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, supposed to be a decent one here in New England. I hope it is where you are across the country. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country, and here's some holiday music on the way out. Little Taylor Swift and Santa Baby. See you Monday.